Let's thank our worship band for leading us this morning again. Thank you, guys. Amen. Amen. It's a privilege to have our friend Andre Franklin back with us today. Uh, yeah, let's give it up for Andre. I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so many of you have met Andre before, uh, but last week uh, he was with us, and we shared that heart that the Holy Spirit has laid on us, this burden that the Holy Spirit has laid on us, uh, to be a part of helping to plant Vinay Church. So Pastor Andre and his wife Terry and their daughters Mia and Minka are uh, forming a core team to begin this new church in East Durham. And so you're going to hear the vision and the heart behind that today through the message. And what I want to challenge you to do is this. As Andre is preaching today, uh, have your hearts, your minds, your souls open to the Holy Spirit speaking to you, to be challenged through the word and the preaching, obviously. But also at the end of the message, Pastor Andre is going to extend an invitation that's going to have three parts to it. He's going to invite us to pray, to give, and to go, okay? And so what you need to hear and what we have said multiple times is we feel like God is calling us to be a Barnabas church, a church with open hands, and to bless. And so if you are feeling a stirring from the Holy Spirit to be a part of this core group to help start this new church, then you need to know that we bless that, we encourage that, and we celebrate that, okay? Everybody get it? Okay, awesome. So at the end, uh, he's going to give that invitation. And so just have your hearts and your minds open uh, through the sermon today and be prepared to respond in the way that the Holy Spirit is challenging you to respond. After service today, um, Andre is going to be down at Lotsa Pizza, which is at the corner of Franklin and Columbia. And he's going to be having lunch there today. And if you are sensing that leading and you want to know more about what it means to be a part of the core team of starting Vinay Church, then you can meet with him after lunch and some of us will be there as well. And uh, he'll be there to answer questions and to help lay out that path of what it looks like to join up with them. Okay, so have your hearts and minds open to that and be ready to respond. All right, I'm going to be reading our scripture for this morning. And it is John chapter 1, 1 through 14. And you might be very familiar with this passage, but today I'm reading from a translation called The Voice, and it's going to sound a little different. Um, So pay attention to that. So if you will join me. Before time itself was measured, the voice was speaking. The voice was and is God. This celestial word remained ever-present with the Creator. His speech shaped the entire cosmos, immersed in the practice of creating. All things that exist were birthed in Him. His breath filled all things with a living, breathing light, a light that thrives in the depths of darkness, blazes through murky bottoms. It cannot and will not be quenched. A man named John, who was sent by God, was the first to clearly articulate the source of this light. This baptizer put in plain words the elusive mystery of the divine light, so that all might believe through him. Some wondered whether he might be the light, but John was not the light. He merely pointed to the light. 
the true light, who shines upon the heart of everyone, was coming into the cosmos. He But for all who did receive and trust in him, he gave them the right to be reborn as children of God. He bestowed this birthright not by human power or initiative, but by God's will. The voice took on flesh and became human and chose to live alongside us. We have seen him enveloped in undeniable splendor, the one true son of God, evaded in the perfect balance of grace and truth, or evidenced in, sorry. Sound good. <laughs> well done. Thanks. The word of the Lord. Yay, some of y'all know. What's up? Uh, so I'm glad to be here with y'all this morning uh, to be able to share. Uh, some of y'all read or were listening to the reading of 1 through 14, and we're like, this is going to be a long sermon. But we're actually going to focus on just that last verse. Uh, the voice took on flesh and became human and chose to live alongside us. We have seen him enveloped in undeniable splendor, the one true son of the Father, evidenced in the perfect balance of grace and truth. Pray with me. Oh Lord, you are good. You are good, you are good, you are good. And we thank you. Uh, that we get to come to the table this morning and receive what you have to say through your word. And Lord, we pray that we be shaped and transformed and changed by the reading of the scripture, by the teaching, uh, and by the singing, uh, by the table, uh, by the uh, Lord's Supper that we receive. So Lord, Holy Spirit, shape us, teach us. Show us who you are through your scriptures this morning. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the church said, amen. So this morning, uh, one of the quotes that I believe uh, is so influential on what I believe church is and how Jesus and the gospel, the good news of Jesus, has affected our world uh, would be this quote by uh, a brother named Will Willimon. And it says this, it says, the most eloquent testimony to the reality of the resurrection is not an empty tomb or a well-orchestrated pageant on Easter Sunday, but rather a group of people whose life together is so radically different, so completely changed from the way the world builds a community that there can be no explanation other than that something decisive happened in history. And that was the moment, right, that Jesus entered the world, the idea of John 1, 1, 14, the idea of what does it look like for us to understand that Jesus has affected who we are, has given us a calling to be in the midst of culture and context, right, not to abstain from it, because we can't really be the church if we're just so inverted and just worried about each other, right? You can't really do that. You can't seek the renewal or flourishing of cities if we're just kicking it with one another, right? You can't do that. It just doesn't happen that way. But Jesus gave us that mission to say, hey, we're going to be immersed in the messiness of culture, in the what I call the tension of culture and what we believe. And we were called to live amongst brothers and sisters of all walks of life. Right? 
And there's something that's so embedded in us as a church to understand that community should be a window into the kingdom. So when somebody comes into a church, we, 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 we are a community that, that is really resembling restoration and renewal in the midst of our community. That's extra live and exciting, right? It is. It's okay. Y'all can respond, too. I love participatory. So we're here together. We're in this together, all right? Um, and so there are, there are, there's one phrase that I believe as I was praying through this message that, that, that the Holy Spirit really gave me, and it was, the gathered community of God's people, the church, makes space for kingdom residents. Now, let me say that again, right? So kingdom language, I'll get into that in a second. But the gathered community of God's people makes space for kingdom residents. And there are three ways, and they happen to be the vision of Venea. Who would have known, right? Um, but I believe by practicing the ways of Jesus, now this says way, because I'm going to point that out in a second as well, um, we're going to learn a little Greek for a little bit. Uh, and then two, by growing in love in all aspects of life. And three, by seeking the renewal of the city. Now we're going to go back to practicing the way of Jesus. Now, if do we have any language or linguistic scholars here that are just so excited to learn Greek this morning? Anybody? Yay, yay, I see three people. Nice. Love it. Uh, so the way within this particular Greek word that I'm going to use is called hados. Say it with me, hados. Hey, okay, there we go. That's what I'm talking about. We're participating this morning. So the idea of the way is hados, which means this idea of route, right? So practicing the way of Jesus is following the route of Jesus, kind of tagging his coattail, if you will. The disciples did that. Now, did they do that well? On who knows? Some days it was like, yeah, we're on point. Some days it's like, well, I think I'm good, Jesus. I'm going to stay asleep, All right? I'm just not going to, your message is not as cool to me, right? And granted, the message was kind of a different type of message. The, I love how Jesus, and this is what I'm going to talk about, the kingdom. So when we think of kingdom, we really don't have kind of the, a great picture of that other than like Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, right? There's no shade thrown. Some of y'all are like, ah, no. So, but the idea, that's what we have, right? I mean, that's, we, in the United States, we just don't have that. We don't think that way. But within that culture and context, kingdom was essential. The idea of the Babylonian empire, this idea of a huge, winsome kingdom, this was, this was normal. It was a normal thought process. And so Jesus, being Lord, that language, again, kingly language, right? This idea was a new kingdom was being birthed. And so when we have the way of Jesus, we're really following the kingdom way, meaning that the idea of renewal is embedded in the midst of this. And so the way, which was what? Hados, thank you, of Jesus is a narrow path. In John 13 through 14, we see this idea of Jesus talking to his disciples and saying, the way of Jesus is narrow and not many people follow it. The path that leads to destruction is very broad. And the reason why sometimes, and I apologize on behalf of our brothers and sisters who might have used that to kind of manipulate decisions for following Jesus, right? But the reason why Jesus was saying this is because the path following Jesus is 
you narrow your options down, right? Like America is, we love this idea of choice. Am I correct? Like we want to make sure that we have as many choices as we can. Uh, and I work at Apple, so when people come and buy the new phone, they're like, so you don't have any other colors of that? I'm like, I, I cannot just birth a new color in a phone, right? But it's like, man, you know, I really wish we had, and it's like, I'm sorry, but these are our options, right? This is just it. But like this idea of we love the kind of over-exaggeration of choice so much so that following Jesus can sometimes feel like we're constricted, right? It doesn't feel freeing. It feels like, man, ah, I guess I got to make this decision because I do follow Jesus, right? I guess I got to be a good person. I guess I can't murder somebody, right? I mean, that's 10 commandments here. Okay, that was a joke. Fine. It's okay. All right. So a lot of us think about what we're saved from when it comes down to following Jesus. All right. It's like I'm saved from going to hell. I'm saved from this and this and that. But we don't think about what we're saved to a lot. And what we're saved to is really a life in the midst of a community. We have friends. We have brothers and sisters. We are now sons and daughters of the living God. We now have life and life abundantly, John 10.10. A lot of us miss the idea of the beauty of what it means because we're so worried about the idea of our options. And so sometimes, right, when the disciples were on their good day, on their best day, they were following and tagging the coattail of Jesus and saying, it doesn't matter if we're poor or homeless or outcasts of social society. But on their worst day, they were worrying and fighting about who is the best follower of Jesus. How often do we get caught in the midst of saying, man, hey, I sang three songs today. You only sang one. I married somebody. You're a pastor and hasn't married anybody. I, like the, these, these realms are real things that we think of within the community and body of Christ, even in leadership. And so a lot of what we're looking at is really Jesus in this way is undoing a lot of our humanness after the fall. But now there's a story, right? Genesis 1, when we look at there was clearly a beautiful fellowship. And this is where we get into the king, kingliness again. The idea of Eden was the beautiful utopian kingdom. So when you look at the whole landscape of Scripture, do not get confused and think that kingdom is not in it because it's there. And the way of the kingdom is God in Jesus teaching us a way to undo what has been done to find ourselves in Revelation 21 and 22, the renewal of all things. Now, that's what we're saved to, to know that the renewal of all things will come. If you're not excited about that, then you might need to read the scriptures again because they're about that. The story of God is about renewal. Like sometimes we're so caught up in, oh, I'm saved, I'm good, fire insurance, what's up? We're gravy, okay? But what? It's okay, y'all can laugh, y'all can get, it's so, you know, be free, right? So this idea of what does it look like for us to understand that renewal is the beauty of what God is doing. 
Oh, my gosh, it's exciting. John 1.14, I believe that if I were to explain this, this verse, is the church's impact does not happen from extending from culture and context, but the church is most effective in being in the midst of those, or being those in the midst who are seeking renewal of their neighborhood, city, and world. And I would say that we have to be those people, and we get to be those people. And so uh, I believe John Tyson in his book called The Creative Minority, he would refer to the church as a creative minority because the landscape of church is shifting. And so about our church in Durham is that we love the idea that we don't have to push to be large. Like that's not our goal. Now, if we do grow, then ideally we would plant more churches and we would not just continue to grow and just be... There's a story about how alligators, sometimes they die not because, not because they just die, uh, but they actually get too large, and they actually can't have enough food. So they actually starve themselves simply because they get too large and they continue to grow. They don't stop growing. Isn't that weird? That is weird, right? It's a weird deal. I was having a coffee with somebody who's like, hey, dude, do you know, you know this fact about alligators? I'm like, Interesting. All right, let's move on. But it was great. It was great because I'm like, because then I, I immediately paralleled it and I was like, oh my gosh. Like, like, I think it's so easy for us just to want to continue to get larger and larger and larger uh, as churches, but like our landscape is not, like our cultural landscape is not really a fit for that because we're not able to be as effective. Like, we're, we're actually then, I would rather have people who are practicing the ways of Jesus of about 30, 30, 30 people, as opposed to having like 1,200 people that are just like, I think I have fire insurance. Like, I think I practice the ways of Jesus, but really, why do I practice the ways of Jesus? Am I worried about what I'm saved from or what I'm saved to? Like, how am I, how am I doing these things, right? And I believe that we are literally, by the Holy Spirit being embedded in us, we get to be those people that seek renewal in our cities, in our relationships, like, that's beautiful. That's awesome. And secondly, now we're going to go to growing in love in all aspects. I believe that following Jesus, the way, and what is, what is the way in Greek? Can you say it one more time for me? Hey, look at y'all. Y'all remembered. Uh, but in following the way of Jesus, I believe that we're following a way of transformation. We're not following a system of beliefs. Okay. We're following a way of transformation. Now, beliefs do matter at some level, right? Who, what we believe about Jesus does matter, but we follow a way of transformation, not the system of belief. Because the system of belief is so easy for us to compartmentalize, right? We can do it on a Sunday, we can do it on Wednesday, we can, do any, we, we can just compartmentalize our faith and not have it affect all aspects of our life. And so the idea of growing in love in all aspects is growing in that generosity, Growing in the idea of what does it mean and how, what is the gospel, what is the good news of Jesus? How does it have an implication on my life and what does it look like? What is the implication on my friendships, on my marriage, on my relationship? Like, what, what, what is the implication of that? And I believe that when we allow the idea of the gospel to penetrate who we are as a people and we follow the way of transformation and we actually say, man, loving one another is huge. It's a lot bigger than social status for me. I think you're transformed just a little bit, right? 
the idea of hoarding. I think we in America hoard different things. Sometimes we hoard money and call it financial planning, right? Or sometimes we have this idea of we, we, we hoard our clothes because they have memories in them. I get it. Trust me. My wife and I, we're struggling right now trying to release some clothes. Um, but like this idea of we, we sometimes hold on to these things because we believe they mean something. And in turn, we actually believe in some level cognitively that they mean more than a life of freedom and believing that Jesus is Lord over all things and life in abundance is found in him and not stuff, right? That's hard. But when we believe that the gospel and the good news of Jesus, meaning Jesus is Lord, meaning Jesus is who we follow and he is kind of the manager of it all, right? Then we believe that it really does have implications on our life. And so when we look at one of the biggest verses that I believe has shaped my wife and I just in our life, but also in our church, I believe this is what we pray for. That if we can't do anything else right, that we would do this right. And John 13, 34 says, so I give you a new command. Jesus, again, talking to his disciples. And this is the beautiful, really, imagery that Jesus, who is Lord, who is King, God through Jesus, came to be with us in the midst of our stuff, then finally begins to get down towards the end of his, kind of headed towards the cross and, and washed his disciples' feet. That's pretty gnarly, right? And so Peter was like, yo, like, Jesus, you can't do this. Don't do this, Jesus. You can't do this. And then Jesus was like, well, I must do this or you cannot be with me, right? I would not acknowledge you. I would not know who you are. But then then Peter gets excited and says, well, then just wash my whole body, right? It's a weird situation. Um, there's not enough water in the basin to do that, but Peter was overeager. But it's this idea of what does it mean for me to be the ultimate servant? Jesus was the ultimate servant. And that's who we follow. And that's what he did. He washed his disciples' feet. No matter who they were, I believe Judas was in the room. And that's what Jesus did, because that was his calling. Social status didn't matter. I mean, people's lives were on the line. And Jesus was like, I'm going to serve. I'm going to serve past uh, my own well-being. I'm going to serve, and I'm going to live my life for other people. Now, I know that's kind of a weighty calling for us as Christians, but that's what we do because we value the renewal of all things and we value the idea of Jesus coming back. That's what we look forward to. So a life of service, I'm sorry, but that's what you signed up for. That's what we signed up for, right? It's a beautiful thing. We don't get to do it alone, right? We don't have to. And the difference between... Uh, a church, ideally, right, the, com- the kingdom of God, the community of God, and maybe outside friend groups or outside uh, community groups, right, that are outside the church, that are not following Jesus, should be this. And John Tyson says it well, and he says, the early church was strikingly different from the culture around it. In this way, the pagan society was stingy with its money and promiscuous with his body. 
A pagan gave nobody their money, but practically gave everybody their body. And this is not, this is literally pagan culture and society. Now, there's nuances within scripture. That's why we should read scripture, right? Awesome. So, and the Christians came along and gave practically nobody their body and gave practically everybody their money. There was a distinction between the community of God and those who are outside, not because we made it, right? I think sometimes we make that distinction. Like Western Christianity has so much been about, let's determine who's in or who's out. That was not the goal. Jesus has this beautiful parable at the end, uh, at the end, wow, at the end of Scripture, the story, narrative, revelation. Uh, it talks about this idea of a wedding feast. And it's a weird wedding feast because if you looked at Western Christianity beliefs, and not throwing shade because we're in Western Christianity, right? But this idea of revelation that Jesus invited everybody to that feast. And it seemed that the person that kind of came the king invited everybody. The, the person that was awkward was the person that wasn't really enjoying himself at that feast. And a lot of times, we tend to determine who's in or who's out, but it's not that simple. I can't determine the end game for anybody, but I can make my table larger, and we can have conversation, and we can practice the ways of Jesus together. And I think one of the biggest things is that we have to understand that we cannot make these distinctions ourselves a lot of the times and try to push people out, but we can be different because of our generosity that we give, that we love, and that we serve. So lastly, it's okay, we can, okay, y'all there? We, we, y'all with me? Are, we, are you with me? Cool, love it. We're almost there, y'all. Lastly, I believe the gathered community of God's people makes space for kingdom residents by seeking the renewal of the city. We talked about this earlier. Let's not miss the whole story. Renewal is a part of the idea of what we hope for. Kingdom come, Jesus said. Isn't that interesting? Again, this is idea of, and I, I want to honor beliefs and things that have been taught uh, in different backgrounds here. But when I read scripture, I see that Jesus is, is thinking about kingdom is going to come and renew all things, that we're not going to get away from nasty and icky culture, right? That we're not just going to shoot up after we die. But it seems that Jesus is saying that kingdom and renewal is the end of the story. And that we, as the community of God, Holy Spirit embedded in us as we follow Jesus, get to do that often. And it's with every decision that we make, everything that we do. And, and let, let me give you a couple examples, right? I, I think one of the things that if you ever had a family member die, or if you ever had a family member that was addicted to alcohol or drugs, or if you were ever addicted to alcohol or drugs, or if you were molested at a young age, or if you have seen maybe your family is at the border and they're stuck and they can't come to the U.S. If you had all these things in your life at some level 
has hit you and touched you, you would hope for renewal, right? You would hope for this not to happen, for barriers in these things not to exist, and for the death that comes in addiction, the death that comes in literal death, these things that happen, you would hope for them not to happen, right? That's the hope. That's, that's the beauty of the gospel. That's the good news, right? And so as we walk through as a community of God, we would hope that we get to be a window into a community that welcomes people that come from broken backgrounds, that opens their arms and says, hey, I'm with you. It might be hard. We are people. Trust me, we are selfish on average. We, we don't like flourishing. We think flourishing is all about us, right? No, it has, it has to do with all humanity. We would hope that we would see the Imago Dei, the image of God in every single person. And so we as a church, especially as a church plant, we get the uncanny opportunity to be able to say, hey, we're going to start from the forefront to say we're going to seek the renewal of our city. And let me tell you, it has been outrageous, and I have been encouraged by it. I remember my wife and I, the moment that we said, I think Vinay is it, because I think the Holy Spirit is going to force us to do it, and we can't run from it. Um, and I remember we were at our table, and we were weeping because we were like, we're going to be broke. Awesome. Um, and then uh, the Lord very quickly showed uh, his love and abundance uh, as we literally felt as if the Holy Spirit was with us in that space. And as we were crying, we knew that it was so joyful uh, because God has given us this opportunity to be called to start a church. And we said, okay, hey, our neighborhood is in East Durham. And I don't know if you know the context and culture of what's happening in East Durham, but gentrification is going crazy right now. And we're seeing families that are displaced often. Um, we're seeing uh, what I would call microaggressions, and we're seeing this idea of ignorance uh, in all levels. And as a church... Uh, we said, hey, we don't want to because my, we're an interracial couple, we're a young couple, and we said, hey, we could very well be a part of the issue if we're not careful. And we said, hey, let's be patient, and let's see if God has us to plant a church here. And so we, for nine months, were praying, meeting with community leaders. We made sure that we honored the people who tilled the soil a long time before us, and we learned so much about ourselves. They learned about us. And we also learned that we had a family that was behind us when we started this church. And we didn't want it just because we had a great idea, because we wanted to seek renewal, that we wanted to make sure that it was best for the community and context. And as we were encouraged, and as I, I was actually two days ago invited to a meeting of churches that has been meeting for about five years called the East Durham uh, Church Community. Uh, just a community of pastors, some OGs in the game, um, have invited us to that space. And that's an honor because it's not easy to maybe release the reins to new churches that are coming in. But they trusted in the Holy Spirit in us to do that.
And so when we believe, seeking the renewal, Revelation 21 and 22, that beautiful imagery, please read that passage and maybe you will be just as excited as I am every single day when you see broken relationships, gentrification happening, people who are homeless, when you see disease taking place, as all of us probably have experienced, we will be excited for the idea of the Garden of Eden coming back. Right? Fellowship with God coming back. Fellowship with one another right? coming back. Lastly, I love this quote by a guy named Mark Sayers. And this is, again, one of those things, reading this book uh, called The Disappearing Church, or The Reappearing Church, I mean, has been so beautiful for me and eye-opening. But he says, the resumption of our God-given purpose to partner with God fully, participating in his plan to flood the world with his presence. If we can't be a church that does that, then I think we're missing the mark. Because it has to be, one, we have to understand that we desire, our hearts desire that love and connectedness with God. It does. But then also we participate. We participate. Isn't that crazy, right? We partner with God. We do. We partner. Is that exciting? Weird a little bit maybe sometimes, right? What does that even mean, right? I think like sometimes you got to ask that question, like what does it mean that we partner with God? Because a lot of times it's either all or nothing. It's either we're doing the work, right? And we're like, well, God's in it somewhere. I got that Jesus bumper sticker. Or it's like, God is doing the work, and we're kind of these peasants that, that really don't deserve to exist. But no, Genesis 1 clearly says that God loves us so much, and that we partner with him in his kingdom work. We do that. So when people on average look at you, you might be the only Jesus they see, right? You might literally be the only idea or window into a kingdom community that they see. And that's the beauty that we, we get to represent Jesus. We get to do that. Now, lastly, we found ourselves in the invitation into the story. All right. That was a little more grand in my mind when I opened my arms. But seriously, right? The story that we uh, have had the opportunity to begin, um, one of the things I want to let you know uh, is that I believe the body of Christ functions well together. God has given us a vision, but that does not mean that we're the most important people in the church. What that means is that we have a vision, but we need people, right? That, that idea exists. For a church to exist, it can't just be my family, even though it might be easier, right? Um, for all of us in the equation, maybe for you even the equation uh, might be easier. Uh, my family's awesome, though. They're pretty cool, so you might want them around. Um, but this idea of what does it mean for us to partner together in this as we start a beautiful gathered community in East Durham? And one of the things that we hold near and dear to our heart, and we actually had a gathering, a couple gatherings ago where we prayed for about an hour and 15 minutes um, because we know that we, if we don't have direction um, by the Holy Spirit, then we, 
we're going aimlessly. Uh, and we're going kind of off our own power and off our own ideas. And so we believe that we want you to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to open your heart and say, is it, is this for me to go? And that's a bold prayer, but I want you to ask that question. And then not only ask that question, is this for me to go, but then ask, is this for my friend to go? Right. Is this for my family to go? Is this for us to go? Uh, and that answer might be yes, and, you're, and you have no clue what that looks like. Welcome to the story, right? We have some clue of what God's going to do, and we have vision, and we have those things, but we believe that God can do more with people who are open to the idea of being used by him than with a, an agenda of what it's going to look like very quickly, okay? So pray. And we pray that it would be clear to you that this would be a space for you to thrive, a space for you to start with us, and a story for you to hop and interject in. And then secondly is give. Say give. I didn't say that because it's money, okay? And I know it's a little weird. Should should start on the pray. Uh, But give, right? The idea that you can give more than one way. Uh, One of our biggest things is your time and your gifts. Uh, we love when people want to serve and use their gifting uh, and give their time. We are honored when that happens. That is one of the biggest things for us, is that we just need numbers sometimes to help set up, to help do things, and we need that, and we desire that. And so that's the first way. We want your time and gifts. If you can give it, please, we receive it. Okay. It's okay. We're almost. We're we're moving through. We're moving through. All right. Also, financially, right? We can. We will cease to exist without the generosity of people. God has been so gracious to us. For us to be able to have funds as a church and be able to use those towards our renewal, seeking that renewal. Uh, one of the things after every service is that we will have a meal. That is important. Uh, whether that's you cooking for that meal, uh, or whether that's for you giving to fund that meal, we would greatly appreciate it. But this enables us to be a church that continues to raise up leaders, and also a church that finds a space that is able to welcome brothers and sisters to the table. Okay? Lastly, join. We need people power. Uh, that are commi- that yeah that's what I'm talking about yeah yeah Matt come on yeah we can yeah I'm am done y'all this morning uh, okay so we need people power um, and the only prerequisite is that you're committed to practicing the ways of Jesus to seek the renewal of the city uh, that doesn't mean you know everything that could mean that you just became a Christian yesterday. But if you are a living and breathing human being, and you're like, this sounds pretty awesome, we would love for you to come. We would love for you to join us on this journey. And if you're like, turns out it's not for me, then it's okay. We're still brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. Right? So this idea of what does it mean for you to join us, that we would hope that we can be a kingdom, a community kingdom, that is a window 
into what it looks like to live in the midst of renewal of relationships, that people are welcome at this table, and that we would see the renewal in Durham as it is in heaven, that we would see that. That's the goal. I'm excited about that. That's my life. That's what I pray for every single day, that renewal would happen. It doesn't even need to be through our church. We would love for it to be through all churches in Durham. We would love for it to be through all people in Durham, that we would see renewal happen, that we would link arms with people that are in our community. And we, we have done that. Love Chapel Hills one. We have a decent amount of partners that we're doing this together, and we're not alone in this. And that's the most beautiful thing I can ask for. Sometimes it brings tears in my eyes. But God is so good in that, and he meets us there. So lastly, I pray that we would be a kingdom. I pray that Love Chapel Hill would be a space. I pray that uh, one of our partners, Oak Church, would be a space. I pray that we would see churches all around live like this. You must live in the kingdom of God in such a way that it provokes questions for which the gospel is the answer. Come on. Right? That people would ask those questions. That we would know the good news of Jesus would be that answer and that we're present with that. Now, there are a couple ways in which you can find out more about Vinay. One is that, as Matt said, we're going to Lotsa Pizza. Is that like is is that Latza? Is that like a joke? You don't know? Okay, could be a last name. I don't want to throw slugs here. Um, but uh, we are going to Latza Pizza, uh, and we're just gonna hang out. Have any questions? Come kick it with us. My family's there. We have two daughters. They're gonna be excited for pizza. Well, actually, one's gonna be excited. One can't eat yet. Uh, four months. Four months. She's not fasting. She's just four months. Um, but, uh, we're going to hang out at lots of pizza and, uh, we want you to, we'd love to meet you. Seriously. We'd love to hang out with you and, and give you kind of a window into where we are, what we're doing. Um, secondly, we have two events coming up. Uh, one next week, uh, is October 22nd next week or is the week after next? Next week. That's why, oh my gosh, October is going quick, isn't it? Um, don't I? Don't act like y'all don't respond. Some of y'all felt the same way before y'all came in here. October's going quick. Uh, so October, uh, we're having our missional family kickoff, uh, meaning that's our missional community, and we will have our table series, what we're calling it. Um, and bread and wine is a symbol for abundance, um, that we would open our table uh, and that people would come uh, and that we would be a space of abundance um, because we believe that's what life in Jesus is. Uh, it's not restricting, but it's actually freeing. Um, and so that'll be at 630. That'll be at our favorite coffee shop, one of our favorites. I like perennial as well down the street. One of our favorites called Nolia Family and Coffee, uh, and that's where our church is. It's in a beautiful coffee shop uh, about eight minutes away from our house, uh, and we love it. It's just a pretty dope spot. It's cool. You should come. Come join us. Uh, and then October 27th is our monthly gathering. Uh, and we're so excited. We have a couple friends leading worship for us, and uh, I'll be talking about a community practicing the ways of Jesus. And what does that look like? And that'll be at 5 p.m. on October 27th, again at Nolia Family and Coffee. Uh, and these are our social media links. Hit us up on that Insta. You know, I don't know why I said that. My wife's going to let me know. Uh, 
Lord. Thank you. Uh, but uh, we do want you to follow us on social media so you can keep in the loop of what we're doing. Uh, we believe social media is a way to tell our story. Uh, and we do that through social media. So we'd love for you to kind of be in the midst so you know how to pray for us, you know how to keep up with us. Um, and so uh, I'm going to pray for us, uh, and then we can get going. But one of the things, again, uh, that I want us to see uh, is what does it mean to pray, give, or join B'nai? Uh, we value people. We value your gifts. Um, we would love for you to walk with us on this journey. Um, and then we're going to go to communion after I pray. Lord, I love you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you uh, have led us uh, to be followers of you and those in this space who have not yet followed you. Uh, I pray uh, that you would show through us uh, the life and life in abundance that you give. Uh, Lord, you have transformed my life, uh, and we pray at the start of Vinay that this would be continued partnership uh, with Love Chapel Hill as they have been open arms uh, and open-handed, and we thank you for that. We're grateful for it. Lord, teach us uh, to be people that seek renewal in the cities, people who practice the ways of Jesus. And sometimes it's not easy, and sometimes we don't do so well. But God, you meet us in that space. You give us a beautiful imagery in John 1.14 about who we are called to be as a church. That is our mission. We are called to be a conduit of blessing because we are blessed to be a blessing. So, Lord, let us be in the midst of our context and our culture. Let us love well. Let us serve well. And, Lord, we love you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen, amen. Now we have come to one of my favorite times and spaces, uh, and that is the table. Uh, and one of the things I believe Jesus gave us kind of a model for is it doesn't matter who you are, where you are in that walk uh, with Jesus or practicing the ways of Jesus, you're welcome at this table. Um, And one of the things that I love so much is that the story that we get to have uh, is when that night that Jesus was betrayed, he was sitting with the disciples, kicking it, hanging, talking for a little bit, then I'd imagine around this time, Jesus kind of got a little serious. And he took the bread and he said, this is my body. And he blessed it and he said, this is going to be broken for you. All right, me. I don't know if this is the loaf. It wasn't a good tear, but it's fine. All right. He said, this is broken for you. And then... He took his cup, or a goblet as such, and he said, this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant. And he blessed it. He said, this is my blood that's going to be shed for you. And then I imagine the disciples, as they always were, were probably a little confused but they did partake. And I can imagine we resemble some of that confusion some days when we follow Jesus, right? But every day know that you're welcome at this table. 
And so, whenever you're ready, you're welcome. There's going to be a loaf right here, gluten-free as well, and a loaf over there on that side, okay? So whenever you're ready.